0: Well, this is, this is week three. This is the, the final week of a series that uh, we've been walking through throughout this kind of the later part of the month of January, looking at uh, the light, uh, this idea of light, this idea that, um, that Jesus Christ came, right? We're, we're still kind of in those, those echoes of Christmas. I know we have kind of moved on in so many ways culturally, but we're still in the echoes of Christmas and, and looking at what it is that, that was revealed to us. And then now turning and saying, so what is it that's required of us, right? If, if we have seen light, if, if light has shown up in our lives, then, then what are we going to do about it, right? This is a key question that we ask here at Birchridge. That's part of what we do in our small groups. It's, it's the kinds of questions and the kinds of conversations that we have as we say, we don't just want to know things, right? We actually want to live in a way that's congruent with what we know, that we wanna apply faith, we wanna apply what we know to how we actually live. And so the foundation Foundation passage for, uh, for this particular series is, is the moment when Jesus Christ turned and he looked at those who were following him. So here's the light having come into this world, right? The, the Jesus Christ coming, bearing light, then turns to those who were following him and says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And he says this, in that same way, or in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. All right, so we've been talking over the last few weeks, what does it look like for us to take that seriously? If, if Jesus turns and he points his finger and says, so I have brought light so that you can bear light, right? That, that, that light has been brought into this earth, that, that, that there has been a light that has been lit for a purpose, right? So we don't put it under a bushel, we don't bury it, we, we use it to, to apply light to the world around us. But the question this morning as we talk and as we've gone through this progression, we've, we've recognized the, the light that has been revealed to us and we've, we've looked at what it looks like for light to, to do its work in us, this transforming work when, when the, the dark parts of our lives become exposed, when, when we lean in and we let God do the transforming work that he longs to do. We've, we've kind of looked at, at what it looks like for us to, to bear light as a, in a more consistent basis, not just to, you know, happen to bear light but to intentionally say, I'm going to chase after those places where the light is starting to break through the darkness. I want my life to, to be built around the mission that God has on this earth. But the question this morning as we, as we close out this series, the, the question that, that's going to frame the rest of the conversation this morning is this, what happens? What happens when the darkness pushes back? Right? What happens when things get difficult? What, what happens when there's resistance to the light? What, is, what does it look like for us to, to understand what, what, it, what we do in response to those times that, that get difficult? Right? That, that We say that there's, there's, there's light that's dawning in the darkness, that we're bearing light and we're bringing light into dark places. What happens when there's resistance? Right? What do we do when things get difficult? What do we do when things maybe go unexpected kinds of directions? And then we ask the question, So, so what can we learn from people who have experienced that before, right? So, so maybe we're experiencing something for the first time, or maybe we're experiencing something that, that we've not gotten right yet. But what can we learn from, from those who have gone before us? What can we learn from people who have lived faithfully in these times that are difficult? And in some ways, you, you look at these moments throughout history where you're, you're saying, these are significant moments. These are times, as we're talking about this morning, the, the title for this message is, in times that matter. Right, that 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 there are these moments in history. There are these moments where where the response of God's people, where what we do with what God has done, where the way that we respond to to the to, to what is happening, it matters. Right? There's this, this certain impulse. There's this certain like intentionality that's required of us in these kinds of moments. And so Paul, writing to the church in Thessalonica, he's writing to uh, the Thessalonian church. Uh, this is the second letter that we have recorded from Paul and he starts, he starts by saying this. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, right? There's a, this group of missionaries that had, had worked to, to establish this church. He said, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? This is a, this is a common way that Paul would have started letters. This is kind of the, maybe like the, the, the dear church in Thessalonica. This is, this is the, 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 the greeting, but he speaks of grace and peace to, to them from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and it'd be easy for us to just move on and without realizing the, the, the journey that Paul is writing into, the, the story of the church in Thessalonica, the, the Thessalonian church. And so in Acts, uh, so, so we look at this and we say, so what's the origin story, right? What is it that, where did the church in Thessalonica come from? what was the origin story, right? For, for me, I love this idea of origin stories. I love when you're looking at like a superhero or some kind of hero, the, the part of the story in a movie that's, that's showing them having struggled and gone through the difficult things, this, this piece that develops them, that, that prepares them for the mission that's laid out in front of them, that in some ways, a, a great beginning or a, a great origin story is, is in some ways more exciting than just a great ending right it 's the, the whole journey of, of, of transformation the whole journey of preparation that, that that these people go through as they as they prepare for what 's been placed in front of them and so we look at this thessalonian church to, to to look at what their origin story is to to understand who it is that that Paul is writing to and so Paul in Acts chapter seventeen or in Acts chapter 17, it tells the story of Paul starting this mission, starting this Thessalonian church. It says, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. And as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. And he said this, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. And some, some of the Jews were persuaded, and they they joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and and quite a few prominent women. But, verse 5, But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace and, and formed a mob and started a riot in the city. And they rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house, and they're defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into a turmoil, and, they made Jason, and, they, and then they made Jason and the others post-bond. And let them go. This is the seed of the church that Paul is writing to. This is the, the moment where Paul is saying, Grace and peace to you, this 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 journey for the Thessalonian church that started out anything but peaceful, right? Started out anything but simple, started out anything but easy. Right? The the very seeds of that movement, the very seeds of that church and that community started literally with a riot, right? As as the, the turmoil in this community that, that that they began to deal with and began to, to to face. You can say that they lived and followed Jesus in a critical moment in their community, right? This was a time that mattered. The church in Thessalonica was born into a time that mattered. It didn't mean, right, the significance of it didn't mean that they would not experience resistance. It didn't mean that things would just be easy for them. But they were serving and following Jesus in times that mattered and their story, right? You talk about the journey that we're on. You talk about the moment that we are in as followers of Jesus or as a church. We look at what this looks like uh, for their story to, to inform our story, to find our own story in their story. And so we ask the kinds of questions like this, what do we do? What do we do when, when God calls us to a tough place? Right? What do we do uh, when we seem to be surrounded by chaos and, and everything seems to be out of control? What do we do when, when the stakes seem ho- so high and yet, fail- and yet failure seems so certain? What do we do? What do we do when God calls us to something that costs us dearly, right? That might cost us relationships, that, that might cost us some influence or, or a measure of comfort or, or maybe our reputation or our sense of security. What do we do when we're called to that kind of place? What do we do? When, and this church in Thessalonica, as, as these believers are starting to follow Jesus, as they're, they're starting to lean in, as they're starting to, to take those next steps and form a community within, the, within their area to, to, to begin to help others see the truth of Jesus, and all of a sudden there's a riot. All of a sudden the, very, like the, the town leaders are against them and, and the, those with influence are against them and they're, and they're fighting back and pushing back. So the question is, what does the church do? Right? What, what do people facing those kinds of things who have done it well, what do they do? And then what can we learn from what they did? And so Second Thessalonians, Thessalonians, continuing in chapter one, Paul says this, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, First, because your faith is growing more and more, right? So Paul is saying, look, so, so from what I remember of the start of your journey, from, from what I've heard, the reputation that, that, I've, that I've heard of what you're doing, and I, I see what's happening, I hear what's happening, he says, we thank God. We thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing, because you continue to be more and more like what God has called you to be, that, that more and more your faith is growing. And he says, and the love that you have for one another is increasing, that, that you are growing more spiritually mature, that your lives are more and more marked by, by the things of God, that, 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 that God is having more and more influence in your lives, that your lives are becoming more and more like Christ. And he says, and, and that the love that you have for one another is increasing, that, that you're growing in love for God and for each other. He says, therefore, therefore among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith and all the persecutions and trials that you're facing. Paul says, so you want to hear what we brag about when we talk about this church, right? So so Paul overseeing all these different churches in these different areas, he says, so you want to hear what we talk about when we talk about the Thessalonian church? He said, this is what we say. He said that we are so proud of you because you have persevered. Right, this church, you can imagine Paul looking and saying, I, I, I remember what the riot was like. Right? I remember what resistance you experienced. I remember the, the, what, what felt like it was such a, such a high, high risk of failure kind of moment that I remember what that looked like. I remember what that felt like. I remember the, the people trying to drive us out of town. I remember your leaders being arrested and having to post bail. I remember all those kinds of things. But he says, when we talk about you, Thessalonian church, church in Thessalonica, this, this seed of this movement, this thing that's beginning to, to happen within your community. says, when we talk about you, we talk about your perseverance and faith and all the persecutions and trials that you, that you are enduring. In other words, it hasn't stopped, right? Even though the Paul's now writing this in some distance in the future from, from the story of the founding of this church, he's saying, you continue to experience difficult things. You continue to experience the pushback. You continue to experience persecutions and trials. A few years ago, Julie and I and our family, we were uh, leading a a newer church plant or a new church plant in Denver, Colorado. And uh, we were early, it was probably a a few years into the church planting process and uh, there was this conference for church planters and they gathered together, and, and they had this award ceremony. And Julie and I actually weren't able to even make the, the trip. We were in a season where life was difficult, right? You have these, these moments where it's like the, the, the cost of, a, of, of travel, the cost of doing all those things, it was like, we can't even make it to this, to this gathering. But I get this letter in the mail, and it says, Nate, you have been awarded this award that was given out at this conference for church planters. And it was like, great. Wow, that's amazing. Like here we are feeling like we're like, you know, kind of like just pushing and working and all those kinds of things. They they've noticed that we're getting somewhere, right? This is awesome. And I opened the award, and on this like plaque that they had sent to me, it said perseverance and faith. And I remember looking at that going, "What a great compliment." Right? What a great like that that feels good until you start to realize that that means that things aren't going well. Right? <laughs> it's like there's the other side. Like <laughs> like you would imagine or like you, you hope like a few years into a, this process of of starting a church that it 's like Here's the award for explosive growth right here's the, the this award for like major impact and and all these kinds of things that this is like the the church that you would have dreamed of, of starting and here it was this this church that had a slower start and it was God doing this this, this thing that was um, that was unexpected for us and and it would cause the church to be durable and and to survive through all sorts of difficult things that that we'd face in the in the years to come but here's this award that was like congratulations for not quite getting there is what it felt like right that's what it felt like in that moment and so it's like I looked at that, and I'm like, how do I even hang that on the wall, right? This is not what I want to experience, and, and, and to be honest, that plaque, I, I regretted it when I was thinking through this passage this morning, that plaque did not make the move to Alaska with us. Um, it was one that, it was just hard for me to celebrate because it was like faith and perseverance, but when you look at that, you're reminded of the struggle, you're reminded of the pushback, you're reminded that, that you, were, you were called to a place where, where it was difficult, we're reminded of the, the struggles and the and the battles and the and the journey that went through that and so in some ways I can identify with this Thessalonian church and understand what it would felt like for them to, for Paul to say so so here's what I brag on like things aren't like always going great for you guys but you continue to try right you just keep pushing you keep pushing you keep pushing and so Paul says this all of this verse 5 all of this is is evidence that God's judgment is right, right? When he sees the way that you're growing in love for God and for each other, when, he, when, when we talk about the way that you're persevering, that you have faith in the, in the midst of the persecutions and trials that you're facing, he says all of this, when you put all those things together in the, the foundation and the journey that started this thing, he said all of this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering, right? You're not just suffering for your own sake. You're not even suffering for your own ambitions of what you think this is supposed to look like. Paul giving a new lens and a fresh perspective for them in the midst of the struggle. He says, you're suffering for the kingdom of God. And he says, verse six, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and he will give relief to to you who are troubled and and to us as well and this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels Paul is saying look this is not the end of the story right the struggle does not mean that your story is over he says that that you're experiencing something you continue to experience something that that has been true of your church from the very beginning and he speaks of, of God being just. He says, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among those who have believed. And then Paul says this, he says, this, this includes you. Right? I think there's uh, this reality that when we experience pushback, when we experience setback, when, when things don't go well, when things are more difficult than we expected, when, when we feel like we're not accomplishing all the things that we, we set out to accomplish, that there's this tendency to think, well, I must be distant from God. Or it must be that God's not pleased with me. Or it must mean that, that because my circumstances are difficult that, that God doesn't care about me. Or maybe I'm not included because, because things are more difficult for me than they seem to be for other people. We can get caught up in this where we can get in small groups and we can look and we can hear other people's stories and we can say, well, it seems like things are going well for them. That must mean that God loves them because things are difficult for me and that must mean that that God doesn't love me all that much or I'm not part of this whole thing. But he says, remember, this includes you because you, you believed our testimony to you, Paul says, because you believed the story, because you heard us speak of this Jesus. This is what he's talking about in Acts 17, saying this is, this is the story of Jesus, this, this one who came and, and lived and died and was re- and resurrected, that, that, that this is the thing that changed everything for you, and you believed the story. And then when things got difficult, you didn't give up. When things got difficult, you continued to chase after God's best for you, and you continued to care and show love for each other. And then Paul says in verse 11 of Second Thessalonians chapter 1, he says, with this in mind, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you. And he lists the prayers. He says that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power that he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and, and your every deed prompted by faith. He says, we, we pray for you. Right, that we don't just celebrate that you're standing in, in difficult times, that you're serving and you're trying to start a church in times that matter, these, these weighty moments in the history of, of the world. But he says that, that we look at your story. Right? We look at the journey. We remember the foundations. We remember the seeds of the movement. And we pray for you. We pray that God would make you worthy of his calling, that, that he would bring to fruition every, your every desire for goodness. He said, we pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. Again, not just for your sake. We don't just pray that, that you would somehow like have life go easier for you. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That Paul is saying, look, we, we pray we lift you in prayer. You need to understand Thessalonican church, this, this church in Thessalonica, that, 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 that things are difficult, right? That your journey has not been easy, that maybe it's been easier for some other people that you're experiencing resistance and setback, but, but you need to know that we're covering you with prayer. We're not just cheering you on and saying, just keep suffering, keep suffering, keep suffering. We're, we're with you. We're lifting you in prayer. And so we talk of being the church in times that matter. We talk about following Jesus in the midst of resistance when we're bearing light and then the darkness begins to push back. What is it that we do? So there are three priorities that as a, as a church and as people that we have to make as we, as we begin to move forward. And the first one is this. The first one is this, it's prayer, right? Paul says at the, at the, the culmination of this introduction to the, the, this letter to the Thessalonian church, he says, and so we pray, Right? We pray, we, we celebrate you, and, and we boast about the good things that you're doing. We boast about your perseverance, but we also recognize that, that, that prayer is the thing that makes all of that work. Prayer is the thing that, that helps you stand through the difficult things, that, that, that keeps you moving. Because prayer aligns our hearts with God's heart. It helps us understand what the stakes are, right? It helps us understand that, that, that walking away just because things got difficult isn't the right answer. It helps us understand that, that, that the resistance that we're experiencing isn't without purpose, that, that it's for the, the purpose of, of God's mission to understand the stakes. As Paul describes the, the, the fate of those who, who don't believe, that prayer aligns our heart with God's heart because God loves people so much that he sent his son to suffer and die for people who did not yet know him. And so if we pray, as we spend time in prayer, allowing God to align our hearts with God's heart, that we understand that, that the punishment that Paul is describing isn't so that the Thessalonian church feels better about themselves. It's so that they remember what's at stake, so that they remember the, the, the urgency of the mission. They remember that, that God cares so much. God cares so much about them, and he cares so much about the community around them that, that he sent his son to suffer and die, and then he, then he raised up the Thessalonian church to suffer for the sake of those who did not yet know Jesus. So we can get over ourselves. Prayer aligns our heart with God's heart. It helps us be connected with God that, that we're formed in those difficult places, the, the crucible of those difficult experiences. And then we pray for each other, right? To, to look around and make it not just about ourselves, to, to make it not just about what we're trying to accomplish, but to say, I recognize that there are others around me that need prayer. There are other people that are experiencing difficult things that, that they need to be lifted in prayer. Prayer is the thing that moves us forward. Prayer is the thing that aligns our hearts with God's heart. So priority one is prayer. Priority two is trust, that we trust God, that we trust God to sustain us in our Thessalonica, right? Our difficult experience, those, those experiences that we have, that that, that the, the, the darkness pushing back, and it causes us to move from from prayers that, that sound like, God, I just need you to show up, right? We pray these kinds of prayers. God, would you just show up? I'm, I'm facing something that I can't face on my own. There's, there's just, I, don't, I just don't see any way forward. And we, we, we look and we say, God, I need you to show up. And we move from that to, to God, I give you control. Right? I already know you're here. Right? I trust that you are present with me. That I trust that you're sustaining me in my Thessalonica, and so I give you control. I, I recognize that, that that you're here with me already. I'm not asking you to show up. I'm going to ask that, that I'm going to I'm going to remember that I'm giving you control. That when we trust God to sustain us in our Thessalonica, we, we don't approach it as a every man for himself experience. We, instead, we approach it as a, as a community that's sustained by God, that's caring for each other, so that God gets the glory. Right? We trust him, that, that we give him control so, so that he gets the glory, that, that our story isn't, well, that situation made me stronger. Right? So now I'm stronger. We, we move to our story saying that, that God strengthens me. That God is in control and he strengthens me. It's not that I've leveled up personally. It's that God continues to strengthen me. Priority three is gratitude. So we turn and we say, look, I may be feeling some fear. I may be feeling some some stress or some pressure. And and we turn and we say, let's thank God that we get to be the church in times that matter, when, when the stakes are high. When we feel fear to understand that gratitude is the antidote for fear. Right, to, to be afraid, to feel a certain measure of anxiety, to turn and say, what is it that I can be grateful for? Right, that, that here's this Thessalonian church that's, that's experiencing these difficult things, and then Paul gives this new perspective, and he says, what would it look like to, to turn and to say, God, thank you for trusting me with this moment. God, thank you for sustaining me in the midst of this, this challenging circumstance. God, thank you for, for, for entrusting me to, to steward this moment that matters in these times that matter. And so we make three shifts as we prepare for, t- to celebrate communion together. We're going to look through just through three shifts. The first one is this, is that we shift to get there, these priorities. We shift from behavior modification to transformation, right? We shift from behavior modification to transformation, which means that that we leave behind this behavior modification that that leads us to, to judge others or compare ourselves to others, to to transformation, because transformation doesn't allow us to celebrate destruction of people, right? When we have our heart lined up with God's heart, that we read this passage in Thessalonians, and we, we see this happen, and we hear the punishment, and all those kinds of things, and, and our heart breaks like God's heart breaks for, for the reality of the experience of people who don't yet know Jesus, so that our impulses, that our reactions are are transformed, so that, so that instead of standing against Thessalonica and, and casting judgment on our Thessalonica, we we work for the good of our Thessalonica, right? Whatever that circumstance is, whatever the darkness is that's pushing back around us. And we say, we will bleed for these people. We will bleed for this place because God is changing us, because our stories are marked by transformation. Our broken lives now transformed become God's greatest billboard. And so we shift from behavior modification to transformation. We shift from circumstances to purpose, right? We fo- are from a shift and focus on circumstances to purpose, which means that our, the way that we view our circumstances is transformed. And we ask a question we would say, why am I here? Right? You can imagine the Thessalonian church saying, why are we here? If, if, if people don't even want us around, if, if there's a riot every time we try and meet, if all these things are happening, then, then we say, why am I here? And in, in a way that's, that's questioning God or questioning the wisdom of God and, and raising up a, a church in that kind of circumstance or placing a person in that kind of circumstance to change from a, a version of why am I here that's complaining or questioning God to, to prayerful, saying, God, why did you call me here? Why did you place me in this circumstance? What is it you're trying to do in me and through me in this difficult set of circumstances? To to move from a complaining version of of why am I here to a prayerful version. And in that we shift, third shift is from survival to mission. Thessalonica, as we see in the story, as we see in the letter that Paul wrote to the church, it didn't necessarily get easier, right? The, The story didn't get simpler for them. They just began to see it differently, which means that we allow God to to use our circumstances and our story to drive us forward, to to recognize where we are and who we've become in him, to allow gratitude to drive our mission, to be fearless because we've already walked through difficult stuff before. Changing what we're asking God to do, to move from saying, God, would you be present, right? To maybe change our circumstances or, or maybe we're asking God to join our cause, to say, God, would you be the center? Right? Not just be around, not just be present to give me comfort in the midst of the circumstance, but be the center of my life, to be the, the thing that I'm chasing so, so that we just want what he wants so that God is glorified in our lives. And so this morning, we're gonna close in a time of worship and we're gonna celebrate communion together. We're gonna start this journey, right? This, this journey of bearing light in, in places and spaces and times that matter. And we start at the table together.